Welcome to Evolving Still, the podcast. My name is Ebony, and I'm the founder of Evolving Still, a lifestyle brand dedicated to changing the conversation around mental health and helping others become the best version of themselves. The purpose of this podcast is to prioritize mental health in our everyday conversations. In each episode, we seek to gain perspective, extend grace, and equip ourselves with the necessary tools for this journey. Essentially, our goal is to evolve still. Welcome to the 12th episode of Evolving Still, the podcast. Today, I am super excited because I have a special guest. You may know him as Pardon Me. <laughs> well, what's up, everybody? <laughs> I'm Parrish. Some of y'all might know me as Pardon Me. P. Um, some of y'all might know me as Soldier Roy. Um, regardless of what you know me as, I like to tell everybody that I'm very smart, very ghetto, and very rich. Um, I think that those three things definitely describe who I am. I love being an intellectual, but I also love being ghetto and whatever you think that might mean. Um, and I also love being rich. And that doesn't necessarily mean like financially rich, but like rich in spirit, yes. rich in values, rich in just like whatever I need to be rich in. Yes, I also want to be rich in finance. <laughs> Period. <though. laughs> okay, listen. Okay, but I didn't want you to like come off the gate and yeah. say, yeah, like give me the money, but you know. <laughs> you know what the vibe is. Period. I win it, okay? So for today's icebreaker, I'm going to take, I'm going to steal a little bit from Parrish today. And we're going to do party or prison. Period. You ready? Period. Yes, I'm with it. Okay. So first, we're going to start off. <sighs> I'm so sorry to start you off like this. But Black China, Black China was on the internet telling you how hard it is to be a single parent. Okay. Single pair. She had to sell her car. Her she cars. had to do what she had to do. Listen. You see what I'm saying? And her baby daddies, they they hopped on the internet and they said, no ma'am. No ma'am. Um, I keep the kid Monday through Saturday. Now that's an arrangement <laughs> <laughs> that I never even I never considered. Monday through Saturday. I never heard of that. The weekend and the week? Listen, okay. basically all of the days. Okay, all of the days. <laughs> Both of them. Both of them says, I pay 37K. Listen. For tuition. Tiger pay 40K. Listen. <laughs> or no, Rob pay 40K. No, Tiger pay 40K. Uh, Tiger said, Rob, tell me how to get on the. How you paying less than me? Listen. Your sister's a billionaire. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And Miss China, they posted, they reported today that Miss China responded to Tyga and said, LOL. <laughs> Girl, if you... <laughs> She played too much. She played too much because, girl, you got on that internet talking crazy, trying to have people be sympathetic to you. Talking about, I had to sell my three cars. I'm a single mother. Girl, the kids is not even with you while you typing this message. What is you talking about? The kids is at their daddy's The house. kids is at their daddy's houses. And it's Wednesday, and you knew that. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. And then her response after she got exposed by both baby dads. Not one, but two. <laughs> Not one, but two was LOL. LOL, you play too much. So, so my question to you: <laughs> Can we pardon Miss Miss Black China, or listen. do we have to send her to prison for playing in our face? Listen, listen, listen. That is a real good question. Now, it's it's a tricky situation because China is nuts for doing that. Like, why would you do that? But I don't necessarily think my girl needs to go to prison. You got to send her to like to get some therapy, to get some help. My girl okay. needs to figure herself out. Because okay. why would you come on that internet talking crazy like that? And you know it's not the truth. Like, why would you do that? Your baby daddy's have receipts. <laughs> they got the receipts and the kids is with them right now. They can take a picture and post it on your Instagram page. Fuck they can go like, live right now. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine if they went live and the kids was in the background? <laughs> 
No way. That is no crazy. Way. That would be petty. I'm pr- I'm proud of them for not for not going that Baby, because I would have been posting all types of pictures and videos. Listen, I would have been all over the internet. Like I got the kids. Right I got now. the kids right now. What you talking about? So we gonna party. We gonna party, Miss China. But get but some she's help. Going. Just like her mama said, mental <laughs> issues. That's what she got. She got to get some help. She has to get some help. It's 2022. It's 2022. We're done. You're done. You're done. <laughs> You're done. Okay, second one. And I I tried to stay away from it, but I needed to. Mm-hmm. Miss Zoe. Miss. <laughs> now, her, listen. Okay, come on. Ask me the question because I already know. I already know. Miss Zoe said <laughs> she posted her. Mm. I'm not a, I'm not a full fashionista, but I like to dress. You know mm, what I'm saying? Period. She went to Walmart. She had to go to Walmart. It was given very much no JC Penny. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Maybe it was cold. Cold. Mm-hmm. Cold. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. To get her um two ball gowns. Listen. Two of them <laughs> for the event. Listen. And she decided to post her picture and instead of posting her bland dresses, no seasoning, she decided to post that and throw a little controversy in the caption. She said, what I wore to the place where we are apparently assaulting apparently. people. Girl. Mm. But Miss Zoe, Miss Zoe should have just stayed where she was, you know? And then Twitter came and dra- like dragged her through the mud, you yeah, know. It's like when it's like when you going off to prison, you in handcuffs and people just sitting there booing you, <laughs> and throwing stuff, stuff at you. Tomato, tomato. They just say my bitch like Ruby Bridges. <laughs> she was going to school. That's exactly. That's exactly what they did. That's terrible. So I have to ask you: Can we party? Mm-mm. 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 No, listen, her, she got to go to jail, bitch. You're locked up for life. Because why would you do that? Like, first off, if you wanted to post your pictures and go, post your pictures and go. But you do not got to go to no caption to try to be shady like that. Because first off, nobody asked you. Second off, your eyebrows is touching your ears. And third off, you look tortured in the dress. So what is you even really saying? Like, ugh. You just shouldn't have posted the pic. <laughs> you shouldn't have <laughs> did anything. Because now all of your dirty laundry is out in the streets. How was you roasting somebody's daddy when you were trying to link up with, with the they son? Okay, and he was fourteen. She, now she know. She knew she was wrong. Oh, she made me so mad. Like, you know, <laughs> I was already like kind of side eyeing her because when they was on the show. And she did the little thing for the best song or whatever. I didn't like that she had giggled when she opened up the envelope. Because she already knew that we wanted Beyonce to win. Yes. Everybody wanted Beyonce to win, period. As she you, should. You gonna open up the envelope and just do a little smirk <laughs> and giggle. What is you laughing for? What's fun? What's fun? What's fun? What's fun? So I was already looking at her sideways because of that. And then you gonna come and write that shady caption like that? Mm. Girl, you... Mm. I'm listening. I think I think you got good discernment. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Cause I feel like that way too. I be seeing people. I be like, mm, something not right. Something not right. And then you just wait a little second. You don't gotta say nothing. Right. You just wait. They'll reveal themselves. It, and it came out. Mm. It came out. Mm. She she's just a shady girl for no reason. Cause then you posted the picture and you looked like you were assaulted in the photos. Like, why would you even do that? Because that was the real assault. The real assault was, why would you even come to this award show like that? Looking like that. Sweetie. Girl. Miss Mom. She better sit down mm. with that dress She got to go to jail. Yeah, she got to. She it's got to go. It's a fashion emergency. She has to go to jail. <laughs> on multiple counts. On multiple counts. <laughs> multiple counts. First, you had on that terrible dress. And then you just use not minding your business. And then you being shady to somebody who was trying to hook up with their underage son. You, you should you, be in jail. You should be in jail. You doing too much. Okay? You got to go, honey. Bye-bye. Bye. Easy. Okay. <laughs> I'm done. I'm sorry. Let's get to the episode. Period. We already off. You know what? It's cool. So, I'm super excited to have this conversation. We're going to be talking about systemic racism and just, ugh, you know, mm-hmm. the ugh. It's yeah. the ick. It's the ick. Yeah. Um, so, the very first question is, how comfortable are you with being the only black person in white spaces? 
That's a great question. I don't necessarily know if comfortable is the word because I'm never like that's 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 never a situation that I want to be in, right? I know that some people like like to be the only in the space. Some mm-hmm. people seek that out, but I'm not that type of person. Like I want to be around people who look like me. I want to be in places that value people who look like me. Yes. That value like what my lived experience has been. And nine times out of ten, if I'm the only in that space, y'all don't value that because you don't know enough about that. You haven't created spaces for that because clearly I wouldn't be the only one here. Yeah. Now, have I been in spaces like that? Absolutely. Um, and I don't mind it. And I know that in those, well, it depends on like what part of my life I've been in. Okay. When I've been in those places. In my younger years, I'll feel so much pressure. Like I got to be this perfect person because I'm the only in here. They're going to look at me for the whole black perspective. I need to like be on my P's and Q's. But as I grew up, and learn the ways of the world, you can literally be the most perfect being. Yeah. You can you can be the most top-notch in that place. If people are going to view you a certain way, they're going to view you a certain way regardless. Yes. So when I grew up and, like, realized that some of that pressure left, because I knew, like, I'm only representing Parish in this space. Y'all might think that I'm representing black folks, but I'm going to let you know black people are not a monolith. Yeah. I'm representing Parish in here, and whatever views you got you might want to switch them up because i can't speak for the entire black demographic right it's not your problem right and that's what i i struggle with not struggle but i always am like arguing with people about this they always want to talk about oh if one black person does something you push everybody back it's Mm -hmm. like that's somebody else's problem that don't have nothing to do with me i just showed up as i am yeah whoever made the assumption sad for you. That's on them. That's your fault. And nine times out of ten, you probably racist already to think that one person can speak for a whole group because the gag is, it's only typically the negative things that they want to attribute to the whole group. Because if I go into a space and I'm in there and I'm the smartest person and I'm talking all good and I'm dressed all nice, they always say, oh, Parrish, you look like this. You talk like that. It's never like, oh, all black people are smart (laughs) or, or, oh, all black people know how to dress, right? So why is it that only the negative characteristics we have to be concerned about, but when I'm doing positive things, it's not given to the whole group. Like, we literally had a black president. Why didn't people change their thinking then? Right. Like, come on now. They did it. So that whole, like, that whole, like, respectability piece is, yeah. like, rooted in racism. Um, yeah. And it's rooted in, like, keeping us in this box to where, like, we hold the weight of what we think white people need to view us as. View us as when that's not true. Y'all need to figure out that we have the rights to individualism just like they do or like just like other people do like when somebody goes to shoot up a school and shoot up a church we don't say that their entire group of people are school shooters yeah i might think about right right like come on now (laughs) so yeah no i agree i think i wouldn't say that i'm uncomfortable being the only black person um but i think that it's more about who (laughs) i am and how like how i perceive the world i don't really pay attention to who is in the room much, yeah. right? And that's not always a great thing because it's like, are you really that, like, self-centered, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm really not... I just don't have that need to please other people. Yeah. I'm not a people pleaser. Period. Um, and so I don't really think about it. But I will say that I am on um, guard or mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, you know, I'm bracing myself when I am in those spaces yeah. because you never know what can happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm I'm definitely on that same page too. I think that I brace myself in in any type of setting, yeah. right? But especially in settings like that when like you are the only of like whatever that might be, like if I'm the only black person there or if I'm the only man there or if I'm the only gay person there, yeah. right? Like you have to kind of be cognizant of that because even though we know, like, people shouldn't, like, shape their whole perceptions of, like, whatever group you fit into based upon what you do in that space, most people do. Yeah. And I'm I'm not saying that you need to go into that space and, like, alter how you act or, like, be perfect because, like, no, you don't have to do that. Like, you don't have to hold the weight of whatever your identities are. Um, but I do pay attention and I see, like, okay, I'm the only person here. So maybe y'all don't really like value the stuff that you say that you value. Yeah. If it's not as much diversity that could be in this space. Right. 
So do you say, so I know you say that you are very smart, very ghetto, and very rich. So do you ever feel like you are being perceived as angry or aggressive? Because I know that you're always pretty vocal mm-hmm. and you like to, you know, express your opinion. But do you feel like you are specifically um, perceived as angry or aggressive? I was thinking about that. I don't, I think that it really depends on the context and like what parish you're getting, okay. right? And I don't know if I'm ever perceived as angry or aggressive because I think that even though like what I say might have like a real talk type of feel to it yeah the like comical aspect or the like personable aspect kind of like combats that yeah. like angriness that like people might feel so I I don't think that I've ever been described as like an angry or like aggressive person i know i've heard like passionate before <laughs> okay but like passionate like the like subtext to that is yeah. like calm down in words like what's <laughs> yeah going on? what are you doing yeah like what are you doing <laughs> so pro- probably um and then i think that just me being a black man mm-hmm. like people will always pers- like before they get to know me like that first snap judgment might be like okay we might gotta have our guard up around this person just because yeah. i'm a black man whatever they think black men are yeah so how do you navigate these labels do you care or do you um kind of like what we talked about earlier do you say like that's y'all issue because y'all decided to label me sometimes i really don't care and sometimes like i might play into that like angry black man role like if I'm the only black man in a white space, like I might want you to think that I'm crazy, and I <laughs> and I might want you to think that you can't play with me because I don't want you to play with me. <laughs> right. So I think that it really depends. But at the end of the day, I think that I've grown to a I've grown to a place to where I don't care. Yeah. What people think of me, like one of my mentors told me, like it's none of my business what other people think of me. Yeah. And when I heard that, like after like realizing what that meant, like a weight is kind of like lifted off of you because like a lot of the pressure that we feel is like us trying to modify ourselves to please the people that we're with or to be palatable in a space yeah. that might not necessarily be made for us but if i get to a place where i don't care what other people think of me i don't got to worry about that i'm gonna do what i do you like it you like it you don't you don't yes i think um as a black woman i think people label I don't know if they label me as aggressive or angry um but probably like mm-hmm. in times of frustration because I'm not the type of person that if I feel it you gonna know period like I wear my emotions on my face mm-hmm. I don't even have to say anything you're gonna know and I don't like I'm just not one of those people who will put professional like oh I'm supposed to be professional yeah. and so I'm not like no I'm gonna tell you how I feel and I'm very direct yeah. and so even if I do it in a professional manner and I pull you to the side or whatever I'm still gonna tell you exactly how that has made me feel and I've been in situations where I was the only black person mm-hmm. and I had an issue with something and I was like no y'all gonna like I don't care if y'all feel like I'm angry mm-hmm. or aggressive like because that has that's your to, problem right that has nothing to do with me mm-hmm. but I'm gonna tell you how I feel period and then you can you can decide and we can go accordingly like yeah. that's just what it is so I think that pretty much every black person unless you are a, like a passive person if you are direct they automatically associate yeah they automatically associate with your aggressive like no I just like direct communication yeah and I found that a lot of non-black people do not like direct communication like they are triggered by that or they feel like you are coming at them and Mm -hmm. that's just not the case I think a lot of people don't like the truth in general like I've been like crafting my theory on this for a while um I don't think that people in our country like the truth because our country is literally built upon lies right like growing up and going to school and then like even when I was a teacher myself having to have my students stand up and say the pledge like one nation under God liberty and justice for all that's a lie it's literally a lie it was all a lie like like come on right so I think like we have been socialized and indoctrinated in a way to like have us masquerading as if everything is all right as if this country isn't racist as if everybody has the same equal rights and um 
freedoms when that's not the truth. And like that socialization of like running away from the truth, like makes us feel like any situation where people are telling their truth and being direct it's like wait 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 what is this this yeah. isn't supposed to be happening you supposed to be putting on your mask and lying to us right now right because that's what we're used to yeah and like if you it's almost scary to accept the truth or for people to start telling you don't want them to say too much because you go <laughs> some things may get exposed right. and now you're in a very weird predicament right so but yeah. like my view on that is like we like we're never gonna see change whatever change might be for you like you won't see any growth unless you come back the truth and right. face the facts right like facts are facts america like <laughs> stuff might be hard but it's okay once you get past that hard stuff you'll figure out what you need to do to grow right and we won't have to live in your delusion i hate that like in general i hate when people try to put you into their delusion yeah you decided to be delusional okay. that's fine don't make me i don't why am i listen <laughs> and so i think that it's just so crazy that you could say something that's totally truthful, right? Everybody knows that it's a fact. But if it's not covered in flowers and rainbows, it's like, oh my God, what yeah. are you saying to me? <laughs> yeah. Girl, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> and I don't, so my mom is not, she doesn't sugarcoat things. She always used to say growing up, she doesn't have fluff. Yeah. Which means like, she not gonna make it sound good. She just gonna say whatever it is that she has to say. And now I have inherited that. Like yeah. that's just how I am. Like I'm not about to make this sound cute for you. The truth is the like, truth is the truth. Why are we pretending like white people are not the most violent people in the world? Maybe. History. History facts, has proven facts, that, right? Like facts. like like I can pull up tons of receipts <laughs> that back up what I'm saying. But nobody wants to hear that because the gag is you, they haven't had to hear that. Right. And then they will, they going to respond like Black China and say, LOL. Say <laughs> LOL. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is, what's going on? Okay. We have the receipt. Man. <laughs> so do you ever find yourself cold switching? Um, and I'll, I guess I will say cold switching in a professional setting. Yes, and I'm glad that you clarified that because I don't necessarily think that cold switching is inherently a bad thing, yeah. right? I think that your behavior should match whatever environment you're in, yeah. but most times the standards of the environments that you're in are shaped by white supremacy. Like, if I'm at a concert, I probably won't be like whispering to try to talk to the person next to me i'm gonna talk louder because that place is louder right, right. but if i'm in a library i'm not gonna talk like i'm at a concert so that like that is the like non-bad part of cold switching like yeah. like like altering your actions to fit the space that you're in so that i don't see as something being inherently bad but in a professional realm i think cold switching becomes dangerous when you try to distance yourself from your cultural identity in efforts to like be palatable to the white people in that space yeah um i don't think that cold switching is me in a business meeting choosing to use um some different words compared to if i was on my show talking about something i will use some different words i don't think that that's a bad thing i right. think that i'm just fitting the setting that i'm in but if if i'm at work actively trying to distance myself to change the way I speak, to change the way I act, to not be as black as I know that I am, then that's the issue for me. And and that's a problem that I see in a lot of like corporate spaces is like people of color trying to um, show up as this like white version of themselves to get to wherever they think that they are going to get by doing that. And that's not that's not beneficial to them that's not beneficial to the people that they have to interact with that's not beneficial for anything yeah i think even we see on social media black people um code switching right or just showing up in a way that's like what are you pretending yeah, like, <laughs> like, like what's going on what, what's happening like yeah. are we are we rebranding <laughs> are we rebranding like what is this what's what going is on happening? literally yeah i think i agree 100 i love that you said that you know cold switching is not just inherently bad because it's not and i think that we as people have to code switch i don't think black people are the only people who code switch yeah. right like we all have to code switch at some point 
it is only when you're cold switching and you're kind of like you said distancing yourself from the culture from your culture um that i think that's where the negative connotation comes from it and i think that people who do that often sometimes feel guilty afterwards because they know that they're not being themselves yeah and i really rejected the whole notion of like cold switching in professional spaces when i realized that if billy and susan can show up exactly how they are say what they can want to like say what they want to say do what they want to do i'm gonna do that same thing i might not necessarily like talk in the business of me like i'm talking to my mama but i'm not gonna like also try to be this most like european version of myself either like i've been meeting talk about listen and, like you know like saying all of that because yeah. like that's how i talk but you're still gonna know that i'm probably the smartest person in that room too just based upon how i'm showing up i don't need to put on my nice soft voice and say hey hey guys hey like i don't yeah. have to do that like i can say what's up everybody i'm perished like you know like i can give it to to them how i give it to them and like they and they'll still know like okay parish has the credentials or like whatever yeah. to be in this space but i think a lot of people um haven't gotten to that place and they think that they have to operate in a certain way in order to be validated when no if you show up as your true self people will either get with it or they won't <laughs> yeah period i think that like for me i don't i try to like not do that version of cold switching of like distancing myself from who i really am mm -hmm. because it's a lot yeah. and i'm not gonna keep up this lie like at the end of the day if i need to you want me to appear this way and whatever to get the job sure but day one i'm coming in here like hey y'all like because <laughs> this is just who i am and, and i've even stopped like cold switching in like interviews and stuff like i had a couple interviews a couple weeks ago and like i was talking to interviewers i'm like listen and <laughs> and and like i was like still my most professional self whatever yeah. professionalism means because that's still rooted in white supremacy as well but i didn't like feel the need to um kind of like shrink myself or like shrink my blackness in that space because the gag is if i get hired there you're gonna see this and i'm not gonna do all of the extra energy to cold switch because that's so taxing on us yeah right to like know you gotta wake up put on this mask and go put it on for eight hours a day every that day is, that's a long time that is a long time and then by the time you get home you hate everybody you now you mean to your dog. Right. Your dog ain't even doing nothing. Listen. <laughs> no, I think, and another thing that I think about um, just code switching and kind of um, appealing to professionalism is that I found that no matter how you appear, people already have these yes. judgments and these ideas about you anyway. So it's like, what is, I'm doing all of this work you don't care and you're gonna still say that i'm this or that anyway so what's my point yeah period so that's why i've been telling folks do what you want to do act how you want to act yeah whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen regardless right because my thing is is that in a lot of times when you try to appear um or appeal to them they don't buy it yeah not at all they know you're faking they know you're this faking you, you know you faking you should not you will not get the oscars you're not that good at it you're not that good at okay, it. okay kid couldn't even get an emmy can't do it listen um so i know that you are a self-proclaimed social justice warrior period <laughs> so what makes you feel obligated to call out racism and injustices um i think just based based upon like what my lived experience has been mm -hmm learning and growing to the thing learning and growing through the things that i had to um and just knowing that in those moments when you don't use your voice like it's probably more detrimental than whatever might could come about from you using your voice right um and then like just also being a person with several marginalized identities yeah and like knowing like what that overlapping feeling of oppression might feel like it's like somebody got to speak up about this somebody got to say something or else it's just gonna keep on getting worse or like you're just gonna keep like hating whatever things you're going through so um yeah i just like i don't know I, maybe i just like to talk too much but <laughs> just being passionate about 
like what I've seen people go through, what I've had to go through, and knowing that it could be better, and 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 knowing that we don't deserve the things that we go through. Like I don't mind speaking up about it. Yeah, I think that for me, I don't. I'm not a, a self social justice warrior, um, but. I do because I just don't I'm an observer I'm mm-hmm. less than a talker um I observe things I form an opinion I go like yeah that's weird and I just keep yeah. that's just my personality in general but I think that for me um just listening to my family um like the older people in my family talk about their life experience and like even them buying into, buying into the stuff it's like i'm confused did you not hear the same thing that literally you just said to me like it's very confusing and i have those conversations with like my grandpa so my great grandmother's alive mm-hmm. and so i get to talk to her and like talk to her about her experiences and she always says you know um when she in the 30s like the 30s right mm-hmm. but like in the 20s and the 30s that was a lot of a lot of times they didn't talk about things, right? Yeah. We see that from the 20s and the 30s to now, yeah. right? A lot of people don't talk about things, but we have these conversations and I just keep telling them like you do realize that they just go shift the goalposts every time. Every time. And yeah, and I think that really part of it is probably me being a teacher and me like having that experience and like now like I got to teach y'all why this is wrong. Yeah. I need to let y'all know that it can be better, but we like we can't know that unless we learn about why this is wrong in the first place. Yeah. So I definitely think like just me being a natural born educator like pushes me to like speak out and speak up more often than other people. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like people have been socialized in a way like, oh, we don't talk about that stuff. We just like sweep it under, sweep it under, uh, sweep it under the rug or like we just gonna keep on figuring it out. But we've been keeping on figuring it out for 500 years and ain't too much has changed. Yeah. And so do you feel like one of the main, I guess like the first steps to change is to call things out and yes. like speak on it? Absolutely. I think one of the first steps is like bringing awareness to the situation educating about the context about how we even got here in the first place and then once people have a found um or like once people have a sound understanding of like what the predicament is and how we got to this place then we can start to action plan to figure out how to get better but a lot of people don't even know all of the things that they need to know about the stuff that we be talking about so we just end up talking in circles yeah and talking to ourselves yeah yeah i agree um so in your opinion what is the most fresh? I know this is a hard question. What is the most frustrating thing about living in a racist society? This isn't a hard question for me. I think that the most frustrating thing about living in a racist society is that literally everybody knows it's racist. People are not dumb. Like, everybody knows it. Like, everybody knows that the world is messed up. But even if we know that, even if we know things can be better, even if we know we're not getting the rights that everybody should get, we still got to live in it. We still got to work in it. We still got to go to school. Even if we know people don't like us because of what we look like or because of who we are, we still got to interact with them. We still got to go and try to get this job at this place. I still got to try to go to this school that I know might treat me like S. Like, like yeah. we still have to operate in this system. Yeah. that I think that's, that is very frustrating. And some days, like, you just don't even feel like showing up, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, I... It's going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> like today, I need to take this this day for me because at the end of the day, all of these issues, everything is still going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people feel um, they experience hopelessness. Yeah. Like things are never going to change. Um, and I think in a in a way that is valid because of history right it's proven that we have changed but how much have we changed yeah. right and it's it's a new form of this like the new jim crow literally yeah literally every time you were gonna go from um you know just like they're not gonna hold you down in the streets anymore they're gonna create a law to where you can't do this certain thing that you really need right. because you need to live a good life we're gonna create a whole system about um the school to prison pipeline mm-hmm. like we're gonna get them young yeah. <laughs> like it's it's like hopelessness like yeah. what it, how do i combat this system right and 
there is no one answer yeah. and I think that that like is why a lot of people experience hopelessness. Yeah. But for me, I think the most frustrating thing about living in the racist society is just like having to tolerate other people who like because when you have this like sense of awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're like talking to somebody else and they're trying to like be delusional. They're in their delusional bubble. It's uh-huh. like I'm talking to a brick wall. Yeah. And I'm the type of person, again, I told you I'm an um, observer, not a conversationalist. Uh-huh. Like, I don't want to talk to you no more. Kind of over. Because what you're talking about. I think that's something that helps me not, like, fall into that is, once again, being a teacher. Yeah. And then, like, having to teach, like, students things that I understand, but yeah. but they don't understand. Like, even though I'm giving them, like, my best explanation and they still don't get it, like, I got to figure out what I need to do yes. to make this person get it. So, I think that that skill set helps me out a little bit because, really, at the end of the day, most people are racist or most people are biased or prejudiced because they don't understand or have the education about the thing that they don't know about yeah and then really what makes it even worse is that everything that they take in to inform whatever their thoughts is about the thing that they don't know comes from the media comes from tv comes from what they see in like movies and stuff and most of the time that stuff is inaccurate yeah so you have somebody who's uneducated you have somebody who's getting all of their information from the TV that's also a not true representation of whatever. So that's reinforcing their uneducation. So it's just like, I understand, you know, yeah. why some people might feel a certain way about certain things that they don't know about because they just don't, don't like, know. Yeah, like, like people don't know what they don't know. And if everything that I'm taking in is telling me that this certain person or this certain place is one way and that's all I'm getting, I'm going to believe that that's the truth. Yeah. So it's just once again about like education and like awareness, but I also don't think that we have to hold the weight of educating other people about our experience either. Some of us might choose to do that, right? Right. Like somebody like me, I (laughs) might not mind it too much, right? But I don't think everybody needs to do that. Like it isn't our job to teach white people why they should love us. Yeah. I agree. I think for me, from my experience, um, white, and this is, bear with me, but white liberals have, in my experience, have almost been worse than white conservatives, right? Because they think they know. Because they they think they know, and they think they're, oh, I'm here, I'm down for this cause, Mm -hmm. I'm this, this, and it's like, no, you're still problematic. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm not racist, I, you know... Those are the people that, oh, I'm not racist. I have white, uh, black friends. Racist. <laughs> literally. Like, yes. I don't. That's problematic. Yeah. Like, and they don't, they're oblivious to it, right? Like you said, but because they think they know, it's hard to even educate them. Yeah. It's like, you, no, yeah. I can't. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I've definitely ran into a bunch of people like that, too. And some of the, like, most effective things that I've seen in, like, educating people, who think they know everything, it's just, like, question them. Yeah. And, like, when they can't answer the questions, then, like, they'll maybe start thinking, like, dang, maybe I don't know everything that I that I know, right? So, like, if a white person says, well, I got black friends, blah, 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 what are you doing to help the plight of your black friends? Like, just because you hang out with them, you like the music that they like, what are you doing to help advance the causes that they're fighting for? Like, what actions are you... Do you know the you, causes that they're fighting Do you know the causes? <laughs> like, come on now, like, just because you hang out with some folks don't mean that you inherently understand what those people are going through right yeah and also i i hate 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 comparison someone once told me um in undergrad that there was no hierarchy to oppression and like identities and i say you're absolutely wrong absolutely (laughs) wrong especially when your society is built upon race and enslaving people based on their race there's clearly a hierarchy it's a hierarchy because and so the the whole premise was we were playing this game it was for a job it was an exercise we had to play this game of like um, putting identities around the room and then they would read off these questions and you go stand yeah. under the identity that you feel like. So they'll say, like, what identity do you feel like you're judged mm-hmm. most on without someone even knowing you, yeah. right? And so they were, like, at the end, the discussion, they were, like, oh, one girl was, like, oh, yeah, there's no hierarchy of oppression. Like, we are all going through some things. And I'm, like, that's what you got from this? That's what you got from this. And so... I- <laughs> 
I actually like form like I've been thinking of a, like I so I like I tell my friends that I think that I'm a theorist, right? <laughs> so like I've been like formulating this theory that um like one of my biggest critiques about the whole field of diversity, equity and inclusion is that we do so many mental gymnastics to like make every type of oppression like the same yeah when that's not the case but we have to do that to make it palatable to white people or like other people who have these positions of privilege because if we don't their first thought is always going to be oh this isn't about race but if we're truthful with ourselves and like truthful with the context in, in which we live in your race literally impacts every experience that you have with whatever those other oppressions might be yeah. like women that is definitely a way like your gender is something that you can be oppressed through but black women have a difference have a different experience than hispanic women that have a different experience than asian women that have a different experience than white women right? right and then like even thinking about something as far as like class black poor people have a different experience than white poor people yes. right and so we don't really like take the time to consider how the race of a person literally is one of the most visible factors and it's also one of the most discriminated against factors that really impacts all of those identities that they have like a black child who might have autism is going to have a different experience than a white child that has autism yeah. people are going to perceive that white child with autism differently than they will perceive that black child with autism and then when those people grow up that grown adult that's black that has yeah. that has autism is going to be treated way differently than that white adult that has autism but nobody wants to say that right. because they want to think that every oppression is the same when it's not right and it's just and that was my my point to the person who i was talking to i was like that makes no sense why because half of y'all stood under your religion as the thing that you were most oppressed by Girl. and that you know i i get that okay i don't but <laughs> i like that's fine if that's what it is or your age sweetie i'm young right. i don't know okay cool but at the end of the day, like, so I want to be a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. My age, I look young. I look 12. It's fine when, I be a, when I'm a doctor. I'm going to look probably like 15. Mm-hmm. Also fine with the white coat. That's just my reality. I know yeah. this. And when I walk in the door, they're not going to say, oh, you look 15. They're going to, like, they're not going to think that. They're going to think, oh, she's black. Literally. <laughs> that's what they're going to think. Like, you, I don't have say anything you could just look at me and the very first thing that anyone is going to notice is that i'm black the right the very next thing is if i'm a female or a yes. male like yes. that's literally how it goes and so we can't keep pretending like there is no hi- it is a hierarchy yeah you want to be in the olympics so bad so bad like so bad you and lose. uh <laughs> literally like when people realize that literally regardless of what your identities are, you're losing. You're losing. Everybody is losing. If you're not a part of this 1%, you're a loser. And all of the losers need to come together <laughs> and figure out how we can get our rightful spot. Right. Instead of being like, oh, well, I'm a less of a loser than you. Right. Sweetie. F. Hang it up. Flat screen. <laughs> Period. Okay. Um, so when we're talking about like things and you, I know you work in DEI, um, what are some ways that you can take care of your mental health specifically? Um, first I think, and like, I've been thinking about this lately cause I've been like getting overwhelmed a lot lately, but just like stuff that's been happening personally, stuff just happening in the world. I think that a lot of people like become overwhelmed or like feel a sense of hopelessness because like they're looking at the like large issue at hand, right? Mm-hmm. And like that can be overwhelming. Like there's no way a individual person can change laws, right? Like there's no way we can change these entire systems, but like breaking those bigger things down, like focusing on the things that you can control. Yeah. Like um learning about different causes or donating to different organizations that are actually doing the work or just even voting right i think that a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the situations that we're in are because we're not voting for the right politicians whether that's in a local election whether that's in a nationwide election like we have to vote to get the people in who's gonna like work in those systems to make the change for us or else like we're just gonna keep spinning our wheels but then just even outside of that i pray a lot. Yes. I go to church. Like yes. I like I love the Lord. <laughs> and even though I know this is a terrible place, people are living terrible lives and it's evil people in charge. 
just having that hope that regardless of what's going on, that I'm going to be protected because of my faith. Yes. I think that that helps me a lot. And then just like just having people to talk to, having your like crew that you, you could talk about stuff with, learn with, grow with, um, go to therapy, all of that. Yes, I love. First of all, I my granny says she prayed every second of the day. Listen, when I tell you, I'll be saying thank you, Jesus, thank so you, much. Jesus. So thank much. You, you know, and it's, a, it's funny because it becomes like a, a comedian's, uh, Dion Cole talked about this in his stand-up, like, black people will literally thank God for a parking spot. We got like, to. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Look, he just, look at this. Listen. He just got me a parking spot right next to this door. Mm-hmm. That is how we operate, but... We have to because literally, I don't know. I always say I'm God's favorite. Period. My granny is also God's favorite, so you know how. Me that too. Goes. Period. <laughs> you too. I'm not like grandma. <laughs> Parish is also God's favorite. She gonna be like, yes, your friend. Like uh-huh. that's that's just what it is. But literally praying is definitely, and I love what you said, like not looking at the bigger picture, but taking things day by day. Like, mm-hmm. what do I need in this moment? Yeah. It's so important because a lot of people miss that and they don't know, okay, I, I need to stop. And I need to just pray right now. Or I need to stop. I need to listen to some, you know, soothing music. Yeah. I need to reset. I need to yeah. write out what I'm feeling. Uh, we miss those marks a lot of times. So I love that. Um, and have you ever considered therapy or are you in therapy? I'm I'm definitely pro therapy. Like okay. I def, like like the sweatshirt I got on right now says B I'm in therapy. <laughs> this is actually one of my friends brand. Mm-hmm. Um but no, like I'm I'm definitely pro therapy. I was in therapy last year um cuz some stuff happened with like my family. Mm-hmm. Um so I had to go to therapy after that cuz they had me a little bit messed up. But I'm definitely pro therapy. It's just about like finding the right therapist. Yes. Um, when I was in grad school, so I went to grad school at Wayne State, and so one of the classes we had to take it was like counseling for teachers or like something like that, and like we had to like do therapy with like the little therapist group that was on campus, and that was probably like my first introduction to therapy. But I didn't enjoy it that much because my no. therapist couldn't really identify with like the stuff that I was going through. So that kind of was like. Yeah, I really don't know. <laughs> but then when I found the therapist that was for me, that like understood like what my plight might be and like understood like what my lived experience was and is, then like I was like, okay, I definitely can see the benefits of this. And I know a lot of people think like they got to be going through something to go to therapy. No, you yeah. can literally just go to therapy when things are going well. Yeah. Right? Like, I think we all just need somebody to talk to, somebody to hear what our daily trials are and, like, help us just talk through some of those things. Yes. I So, I am very pro-therapy as well, and I specifically love talking to black men about mm. therapy um, because I feel like women, a lot of, it's more accepted in, um, and if you're a woman, like, oh, you got yeah. therapy, you know. Um, and it's very weird because people think that, like, they women get the label of, like, being the emotional ones. And mm-hmm. I'm like, have you met me? Like, so emotional. very emotional. But don't know how to regulate it because nobody taught them. Because nobody taught them. Mm-hmm. And we're in a cycle. But I love talking about therapy um, with black men specifically because I think that it is um, so necessary. Yeah. So I've had a friend, uh, a really close friend, and he was telling me about his, like, first therapist experience and he was like I don't feel like this is right and like everyone who knows me knows I love therapy and I'm like the person that will sit there on the phone and find your therapist with you like that's just how I am um so he called me and he was like I don't think this was right like I feel very weird kind of very much like you were describing Mm -hmm. your first experience and I will say that campus um if you go to therapy through campus, like yeah. whatever university you're in. I have also experienced very bad um, therapists there. Yeah, and I almost cussed mine out. <laughs> like, one, they have no, they don't understand, but they also can't fit everybody in. It's just like a lot of issues with mm-hmm. this, and it's like, it's not helpful. It really is discouraging people from actually going to their, like, find a therapist that's takes your insurance all these other things right it's like it i think for me personally i feel like it does more damage than it does good for our community specifically but um my friend was saying like he was in therapy and the the therapist was just like so what do you want to change 
Uh-huh. Like, if I'm not here to <laughs> like you have anything. to, and then literally explain, you, you go to therapy, people come to therapy when they know they need to change something. I like literally fire. She, she's a bad therapist. Yeah. That, bottom line, she's terrible at her job. Yeah. Um, but I, and I was just like having a conversation with him after and I was like, literally as a black man, you should literally just be able to go into a therapist's office and sit there and be like. I'm here. Like, and they, it shouldn't be a question of, like, what are you going through? What is struggle? Like, I'm a black man in America. Yeah. Like, that's clearly, it. That's, that is Do you have fact. any questions for me? Like, a good therapist would be able to talk talk you through yeah. and kind of identify your problems simply by you showing up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Something that I appreciate that my therapist, like, my good therapist that I had, um, she's, she's a black woman. Like she started off like what are like what are your goals for this? Right. Yeah. Like I feel like a lot of people like you could have many different goals. Some people could go to therapy to, to change stuff, yeah. right? Some people could go to therapy just to talk. Some people could go to therapy to learn how to be better at something, right? Yeah. Like it it your your journey should be predicated upon what your goals are. Right. And uh, I think every good therapist that I've had, um, always identifies the goals even at the end it's like yeah. okay these are the things we talked about now can we think not, of goals mm-hmm. what what are the goals of this right it it's not some oh i'm trying to diagnose you with something or you know what i'm yeah. saying is like it, therapy is just not supposed to be that and so many people are just bad at their job and it's discouraging yeah. for the um like for us and for black people specifically i always um from my experience, having a black therapist mm-hmm. allows you to explain a lot less, yeah. right? Because when you don't have a black therapist, you're fine, you're over explaining. You got to explain every little thing, every little dynamic. Yeah, and it's like my family crazy. Literally, like, <laughs> like even if your black therapist doesn't understand like everything that your experience has been, because once again, black people are not a monolith. monolith yes. Like, like they'll still be able to like connect with that like i remember when i was in the grad school going to like the little therapist she couldn't comprehend that i had siblings and we didn't share both of the same parents and she also couldn't comprehend that my sister's mom was best friend well not best friends but like their mom was cool with my mom yeah and like we would do stuff together, together. as a family and like she's like what like We're what is that family. You never heard of me. like what are my girl what, like what are you talking about see now you to piss me off and i'm about to have to cuss you out in this therapy session because why are you judging yes. my family okay and black and that's such a like important thing right because so many black families are blended yeah. like that like people don't you can look at me and my sister. That's not my half sister. I don't care. That's half my what? sister. Half period. Half where? Okay. Sweetie, my my biological sister. Yeah. Like, that is what, and I grew up with three dads. Mm-hmm. My dad, her dad, my stepdad. Period. Okay? Like, that's just how it was. And every family function, you will see all three of them. All of us. We all there together. And that's just how that's just the dynamic. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. And a lot of people have that experience. So, like, as a black person, I don't want to have to... Exp- even if you never... Even if that's not your situation... You I probably know, you somebody. know somebody. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. where's the context? Like, Period. you... Yeah. I, it's very frustrating. But I think that finding a therapist that is a good fit is, like... Because therapy is like dating. Like, you literally have to find somebody who you are compatible with. Yeah. Because it will, it could be go real bad real fast if Mm -hmm. not. Um, So, as a black man, were you ever hesitant about starting therapy? Um, Or were you just like, oh, yes, sign me up? I think I was hesitant not as a black man, but as a gay black man. Okay. And being like, finding like I was kind of apprehensive because one I was nervous about a white therapist because I'm black right (laughs) like 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 they might not really understand that I was nervous about a black therapist because I'm gay right and like black people might not be cool with that so it was just about like finding the right therapist and um I feel more comfortable either like with a black woman therapist Mm -hmm. or with a, a with a gay black therapist woman or man yeah yeah, I I think that that is some like a lot of people have to consider their identities, and that's so like just not helpful that you have to consider your 
different identities when thinking about oh am i going to be safe in this so-called safe space right mm-hmm. like because it shouldn't matter yeah it shouldn't matter who you know any of your identities if you go into a therapist's office they should be able to say right hey how you doing and you know and be able to give good feedback maybe they're not the perfect fit for you but you shouldn't have to feel like judged yeah. or have those bad experiences so i definitely um understand i think for me the scariest thing about starting therapy was having to unpack everything mm-hmm. and like that was just a lot yeah like you want me to go through everything everything like see now i'm about to be here crying right now now i just know every time i got therapy i'm like it's a good chance i'm gonna cry no who knows like whatever she decides to bring and i have attitude with my therapist sometimes so i'm like girl i, I don't want to talk about that i don't want to talk about that <laughs> mind your business yeah, okay <laughs> um so the last question is what advice would you give to people who experience, like we talked about earlier, that hopelessness as it relates to racism? Mm. That's a great question. First, I want, I think that the first thing that people have to do that experience some hopelessness is like do some self love and like journeying with yourself yeah. to really be confident and sound in the foundation that you have within so that those external factors even though you know that they're messed up like don't impact you on a level to where you're questioning who you are as a person so like get to a place to where like you love yourself for who you are flaws and all and when you get there you'll be able to know that hey some people might not like me because of stuff i can't control and that's their problem that's okay but what i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna alter myself i'm i'm not gonna self-harm because people might view me a different way. So I always think that self-love is first. And then, like I said, like you have to have some type of outlet, whether it's praying, whether it's therapy, whether it's talking to your friends, whether it's dancing in the mirror, whether it's like listening to some music, like find something that makes you happy. Because I don't ever think that in our lifetime, we'll see a different world. Maybe in lifetimes after this. So just know every day, it's probably going to be some BS going on. But you just got to find out how can you find the joy within that. And something I like to like talk to my friends about is like finding the message within the mess. And like even though like stuff is going wrong, like what is the like lesson in this? How can you get better? How can you learn and grow? Um, so self-love, having some type of outlet. And then really um, not, I don't want to say like. Just like, 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 like F them, like F them. Like if we've been doing so many things right for the world for so long and the perception has still not changed, it really probably ain't too much that you can do, baby. Like just live your life, do what you need to do to make it the best life for you and go on about your day. Because God gotta come back. For Listen, somebody. Okay. <laughs> Hello, somebody. God gotta come back for you. I, I love that. I feel like. Honestly, three was my favorite. Um, Obviously, self-love and um, having an outlet. But, like, yeah, no. What can I do to change this? I really can't do anything to change it. So, I'm not going to put my effort, my energy into trying to change other people's mind. Mm -hmm. Like, the world is really a messed up place, Yeah, terrible. And And it's all because... Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i <laughs> i'm all done um no but it really is just a terrible place and at the end of the day like you said we might not there's a very good chance i'm not gonna be a pessimist i'm gonna try but it's a very good chance that we are not gonna see a different world like at the end of the day like i said my great grandmother's a lot some of the stuff that she has lived through it's like Bro, this too much. <laughs> like, it's too much. How many times you gonna see this over and over and over and over again? Mm-hmm. And people thought that us getting that black president was gone. That was it. Maybe. And then was it? That listen. Once the president got in, they start really doing it like really it showing out. Okay, do listen. They turned it up like Jocelyn when <laughs> she did those reunions. So okay, <laughs> they start knocking folks down left and right like Jocelyn and ballistic. Okay. <laughs> 
But I try not to be a pessimist either, but like I'm just going based on the trends. It yeah. took a hundred years for them to say lynching is a hate crime. Who is getting lynched in 2022? <laughs> Tell me that. Y'all didn't even need to pass that. So the trends are saying like, hey, it's going to take some time for like legislation that matters to actually come into action. And even that, it's like y'all still let people kill people and killing people is illegal. So what's this law really doing? So what's going on, baby? Like, what about the first folks getting shot dead in the streets? Mm-hmm. What about that? You know so what I'm that's what I mean by like we might not see it in, in our lifetime. Yeah, like, I I agree. I agree. I just you know we'll let them keep hope alive. Child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, but like even though we know that the world is messed up, figure out how you can make your world a little bit more joyful yes i love that literally you have to focus on you at the end of the day like you gotta focus on you your world how can you contribute to the world how can you make it a little bit better and if you can't don't worry too much baby because the thing is a lot of these problems not even our problems these is white folks problems Mm. listen Mm. okay never mind anyway Anyway. thank you so much for coming Thank you for listening to today's episode. At Evolving Still, we believe that we all owe it to ourselves to evolve, no matter where we are in life. And by focusing on emotional wellness, we give ourselves our best chance. Remember, Evolving Still is not a path, but a lifestyle.